<laughs> so, beloved, what is worship? What is worship? And what is the purpose behind man's holy praise? Well, the 20th century Anglican bishop by the name of William Temple defined worship once as the complete submission of all of our nature to God alone. He says, it is the quickening of conscience by God's holiness, the nourishment of mind with his truth, the purifying of imagination in God's beauty, the opening of the heart to his love, and the surrender of our will to God's purpose. What is worship? Someone else has said that the simplest way to define worship is that worship is man's response to God's revelation. God reveals and we respond in worship. That it is the act of attributing worth to God's praiseworthy character. John Piper finally says that worship is simply both an inward feeling and an outward action that reflects and responds the very worth of God. I would submit to you that at the heart of the life of any Christian is the praise and worship of Christ alone. Well, listen, it is with this in mind that we acknowledge that if the whole of the book of Psalms is what we might call the mega blast fireworks show celebrating the awesome wonder and the true word and the powerful works of the infinite creator and covenant-keeping God of Israel, then Psalm 146 to 150 are truly nothing less than the grand finale of God's highest praise by all created things in heaven and on earth. The very last verse of the Psalms, which has been replete in our worship this morning, perfectly expresses the reason why anything at all exists besides God. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. If you've ever wondered why you're here on earth, and who hasn't wondered that one day, let me assure you, it is for this reason. You are here to know and to love and to worship God in Christ. There's no other purpose. There's no higher meaning than to adore and give your life in submission to Jesus. Now look, I want to do something perhaps a little strange and a bit different this morning, but I think it's still very appropriate considering the texts, plural, that are open before us. Bill read Psalm 150, but we're not going to isolate ourselves to Psalm 150 this morning. Rather than camping out and looking deeply at any one particular psalm, this morning in our Summer in the Psalms series at Trinity, I I want us to bask in the collective beauty and wonder of the final five psalms together. What is commonly called the final Hallel of the Psalter. Or as I've named it this morning, the grand finale of God's praise of all creation. If you think about it, nobody goes to see the fireworks simply to discuss fuses, do they? Nobody goes to the fireworks to talk about crowds and colors and loud noises. No, you go to the fireworks to enjoy the show. And we're going to enjoy the show of God's praiseworthy character this morning. Listen, 
Glorifying God by delighting in and watching this pyrotechnic display of awesome praise is exactly what my hope is for you and I together this morning. I simply want us to celebrate our praiseworthy God and behold His beauty through a short survey and observation of these five final Psalms, Psalm 146 through 150, which again is simply a grand finale of God's highest praise in heaven and earth. To that end, the great French reformer of the 16th century, John Calvin, has famously said, the universe is the theater of God's glory. The universe, not just the earth, but the universe is the theater of God's glory. This is certainly the point, the great impression that we walk away from here at the climax and even the conclusion and consummation of the book of Psalms, that God is infinitely worthy, not just of a little praise, but of all praise in heaven and on earth. And really have to ask you, are you swept up into this grand song of praise? Now let's look at the passage. And I want your eyes to have the Bible open, Psalm 146 through Psalm 150. We're actually going to save it for the end of the message in a a little bit of a different way. But there's one obvious, but still, I think, very important observation to make at the very beginning here, and that is that each of these psalms, you'll notice as you just scan these five psalms, they all begin and they all end with that important little phrase, praise the Lord. Go ahead and let your eyes scan over those five psalms. Now, these three English words, praise the Lord, actually translate but a single word in the original Hebrew text, hallelujah. Hallelujah, you might even know that word. This word, hallelujah, occurs 15 times in Psalms 146 through 150. As one commentator has pointed out very uh, accurately, this phrase, praise the Lord, is not so much an exclamation, but rather it is a call to worship. It is not an outburst. But it is a summons for all creation to praise God who is worthy of praise. You see, here at the very uh, end of the Psalter, we have the ultimate imperative of worship. The ultimate command to worship. You see, 36 different times in the span of just 59 verses, humans and angels, cities and celestial stars animals and heavenly bodies and even musical instruments themselves are commanded to praise the Lord 36 times in five psalms. The worship of God then is the ultimate end and aim of all things. The book of Psalms ends on the high note of God's exalted and extended praise echoing forever and ever and ever without end. The praise of God spills past the book of Psalms in our Bibles. Now secondly, another simple observation here as we warm up is that no one of these Psalms here at the end contain a superscription or a title. Just again, look at each of these Psalms to notice that. The last Psalm with a superscription or again a a title is Psalm 145. It simply says, a song of praise of David. We don't know who wrote these last five psalms, nor when they were written. A few scholars have made the suggestion that they were written in the post-exilic time by the prophets Haggai and Zechariah, but there is really no evidence to that assertion. 
The fact is, we don't know who wrote Psalm 146 through 150, but we do know why they wrote them. They were written as a doxological summary or a glory-filled conclusion celebrating God's creative power and covenant-keeping promises over not just Israel, but all the universe itself. Now look, it is possible at some point, I want your eyes to go to Psalm 145, the very last line before this grand finale begins. It's possible that at some point in the editing and organization of the Psalter, that is a phrase or a word meaning the whole 150 Psalms collection, that Psalm 145 verse 21 may have at one point been the last of five doxologies in the book of Psalms. We read there in Psalm 145, 21, My mouth will speak of the praise of the Lord. Let all flesh bless his name forever and ever. Now, isn't that a beautiful statement? It certainly is a beautiful and praiseworthy worthy sentiment, which ironically and even appropriately enough resonates with the very last verse in the book of Psalms. Psalm 150, verse 6, which again says, Let everything that has breath, praise the Lord. You see some parallelism there. But evidently, somebody must have realized that to close out the book of Psalms with simply Psalm 145, verse 21 alone would be sort of like concluding the Fighting Phil's Mega Blast fireworks show by sending up a single bottle rocket. A book brimming with God's glory, such as Psalms is, demands a conclusion bursting with God's praise. And that's what Psalm 146 through 150 contains. Let me just remind, or perhaps for some of you point out, something significant in the organization of the book of Psalms. It is that each of the five separate books in the Psalms, Psalms is one book, but we know that internally they are organized in five different books if you didn't know that, now you do. They actually each conclude with their own doxology. Did you know that? Book 1, Psalms 1 through 41, conclude with Psalm 41, verse 13. Listen to this verse. Blessed be the Lord, the God, and, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Amen and amen. Book 1 concludes with a benediction, a blessing, a doxology. It's found in Psalm 41, verse 13. The same happens with book two. Book two uh, runs from Psalm 42 through Psalm 72, but its doxology is found in Psalm 72, verses 18 and 19. It's going to sound familiar. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who alone does wondrous things. Blessed be his glorious name forever. May the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. Verse 20, by the way, says... The prayers of David, the son of Jesse, are ended. So even there you see a little internal organizational point. Now book 3 encompasses Psalms 73 through 89, and its doxology is found in Psalm 89, verse 52. It's a shorter one. It simply says, blessed be the Lord forever. Amen and amen. You think there's purpose behind this? A bit of intentionality behind it? You better believe it. We're just getting warmed up. Book 4, which goes from Psalm 90 to Psalm 106, concludes with a doxology in Psalm 106, verse 48, which reads this way, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting, and let all the people say, Amen, praise the Lord. Blessed, 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 
How does the book of Psalms begin? Blessed is the man who, not, who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, but walks with the Lord and meditates on the way of the Lord day and night. This is very purposeful, very intentional. Book five, the final of the five uh, books, encompasses Psalms 107 through 145, or perhaps we would include Psalm 150 as well. And its doxology is in Psalm 145, verse 21. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord and let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. Eternal happiness, which is what blessedness is all about, is for those who hope and praise the God of Israel. Eternal happiness and hope is for those who praise the God of Israel. Supremely in Israel's Messiah, Jesus Christ, our crucified, risen, and reigning King. I would put it this way. Psalm 146 to 150 is the granddaddy of all doxologies. In a book full of doxologies and praise to God. The ultimate purpose of this big book of praises, meaning the Psalter, was to model for God's people both how and why we praise the Lord. Just as the book of Psalms was divided into five books, you noted, it concludes with a flourish of five fabulous poems, summoning all creation to give God unceasing praise and unending glory. In a book that moves methodically and majestically from lament, there are 65 lament psalms in the book of Psalms, from lament to praise, there are only 21 praise psalms in the book of Psalms. It finishes with a flurry of praise poems bursting with beautiful and breathtaking worship. We move from lament in Christ to praise. And our praise will never end in Christ. Now, this all begs an important question. Why does God demand that we praise Him? Have you ever paused to think about that? Why does God insist on your praise and mine? I mean, honestly, does God actually need us to praise Him? Of course not. That's a ridiculous and an absurd assertion. Is God some sort of cosmic narcissist? Some, and this is the first time I've ever used this word in a sermon, some megalom... Me, that's the reason why it's the first time I've ever used it. And I, I practiced it so often. Megalomaniac... No, I'm not even going to try it. Megalomaniacal. Um, megalomaniac. That's it. Me, megalomaniacal deity. Help me out here, people. Is God some narcissist who simply demands that his creatures adore him and say nice things about him? You know what I'm getting at. Only a fool would come to such a conclusion. So then what's up with God's command that we praise him? Well, just happened to be poolside on the 4th of July, reading Reflections on the Psalms by C.S. Lewis. And in that great book, which I commend to you, chapter 9 is entitled, A Word About Praising. I'm going to read a rather lengthy excerpt from this particular book, but it answers wonderfully this perplexing question. What's up with God commanding us to praise Him? Listen in. C.S. Lewis writes, quote, When I first began to draw near, remember he was an atheist turned disciple, 
through the gospel of Jesus Christ. When I first began to draw near to the belief in God, even for some time after, I found a stumbling block in the demand so clamorously made by all religious people that we should praise God. Still more in the suggestion that God himself demands us praise him. We all despise the man who demands continued assurance of his own virtue, intelligence, or delightfulness. We despise still more the crowd of people around every dictator, every millionaire, every celebrity who gratify such demands. Thus, a picture at once ludicrous and horrible, both of God and of his worshipers, threatened to appear in my mind. The Psalms were especially troublesome in this way. Praise the Lord. Oh, praise the Lord with me. Praise him again and again. And why, incidentally, did, God, did praising God so often consist in telling other people to praise him? Even telling whales and snowstorms, snowstorms etc., to go on doing what they would certainly have done, whether we told them to or not. Worse still was the statement put into God's own mouth that whosoever author me, offereth me thanks and praise is the one who honoreth me. Psalm 50, verse 23. It was hideously like saying, what I want most is to be told that I am good and I am great. Now, it was from this end, which, seems, which will seem to some irreverent, that I found it best to approach the idea that God demands praise. He is the object to admire which, for if you like, to appreciate which, is simply to be awake, to have entered the real world, not to appreciate which is to have lost the greatest experience, and in the end, to have lost all. The incomplete and crippled lives of those who are tone deaf, who have never been in love, who never know true friendship, never cared for a good book, never enjoyed the feel of the morning air on their cheeks, never, as I am one of these, enjoyed football, are faint images of it. But of course, this is not all. Listen carefully here. God does not only demand praise as the supreme, beautiful, and all-satisfying object. He apparently commands it as the lawgiver. The Jews were told to sacrifice. We are under an obligation to go to church. The significant thing to note is that in the process of being worshipped, God communicates his presence to men. Even in Judaism, the essence of the sacrifice was not really that man, men gave bulls and goats to God, but that by their so doing, God gave himself to men. That's why we worship. He says the miserable idea that God should in any sense need or crave for our worship, like a vain woman wanting compliments or a vain author presenting his new books to people who never met him or heard of him, is implicitly answered by the words of Psalm 50 verse 12, if I be hungry, I would not tell you. Even if such an absurd deity could be conceived, he would hardly come to us, the lowest of rational creatures, to gratify his appetite. Lewis says this, I don't want a do my dog to bark approval of my books. But the most obvious fact about praise, whether of God or of anything else, strangely escaped me. I thought of it in terms of compliment or approval or of giving of honor. I never noticed that all enjoyment spontaneously overflows in praise. The world rings with praise. Lovers praising their mistresses, readers their favorite poet, walkers praise the countryside, players praise their favorite game. The psalmist in telling everybody to praise God is doing what all men do when they speak of what they care about. I think we delight to praise 
what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses, but it completes the enjoyment. It is the appointed consummation. The worthier the object, the more intense the delight would be. He closes with this paragraph. Therefore, to see what this doctrine really means, we must suppose ourselves to be in perfect love with God, drunk with, drowned in, dissolved by that delight which, far from remaining pent up within ourselves as incommunicable, hence hardly tolerable, bliss flows out from us incessantly, again in effortless and perfect expression, our joy no more separable from the brightness that it sheds. As the Scotch Catechism, the Westminster Catechism, says that man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. But we shall then know that these are the same thing. For fully to enjoy is to glorify. In commanding us to glorify Him, God is inviting us to enjoy Him. Listen to me. Why do you glorify God? Because it is how you enjoy God. It is how you enjoy God. John Piper said it so well. God is most satisfied with us when we are most satisfied in Him. Our praise does not change God. What could we do to enrich God in any way? Our praise of God changes us. That is why we praise Him. That is why we draw near to him. That is why we offer the sacrifice of praise. Because we need to be changed and rescued from the hollow and empty idols of this world. He's the only object that satisfies. That's why we praise him again and again. The reason the book of Psalms ends with this ever-expanding explosion of all heaven and earth. United with one voice in exaltation of the Lord God of heaven and redemption. Is that this is the very end to which all things were made. God's praise. The kingdom of God, the new heavens and the new earth, is nothing short of unending bliss and life eternal, celebrating and enjoying God himself in Christ. Thus the Psalms end by reminding us that eternity itself will echo with his endless praise to the glory of his his awesome king, King Jesus. Well, friends, we have lit the fuse to the grand finale of God's praise this morning. In just a few moments, we will simply stand and bask in its wonder as we hear all 59 verses read and we marvel at his goodness. But before we do, let me just briefly preview what we're going to see. It's like sort of taking out the fireworks that you do on a 4th of July night and say, hey, this this one's going to do this here and this one's going to do that there. I want to do that with you for these five psalms just very quickly. The grand finale of God's praise begins in Psalm 146, notice, with a burst of individual praise, individual praise to God for God's gracious concern and help for the needy. Look at Psalm 146. In so doing, Psalm 146 is an encore of the king's confidence in God's intimate concern and care. I'm indebted to Dr. Robert Godfrey for these final few points. 
Psalm 146, verses 5 to 7 state, Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is the Lord his God, who made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. Psalm 146 reminds us that we can praise God forever and ever because unlike human princes and leaders who often fail us and who always perish, the Lord Jesus Christ cares intimately and will never die again. He will never die again. He has conquered death for us already and reigns supremely over all who loves him. Then, in Psalm 147, we find a second volley of ceaseless praise erupting. Now, not simply for the individual, but here for an entire city, even for Jerusalem and Zion itself. Notice Psalm 147 reverberates with the concerns of book 2, Psalm 42 to 72, and of the king's commitment to God's kingdom. Praise the Lord, O Jerusalem. Praise your God, O Zion, for he strengthens the bars of your gates and he blesses your children within you. That's Psalm 147, 12 and 13. Listen, where God's ceaseless praise was personal in the first poem, it is here seen to be public and powerful over all God's kingdom in his holy temple in Psalm 147. But we're just getting warmed up. Then Psalm 148 explodes with the third doxological poem with God's highest praise being commanded, notice, uh, from the heavens, verse 1, from all his angels, from all his hosts, from even the sun and the moon, and all you shining stars. Kids, did you know that there are an estimated 200 billion trillion stars in the universe? That's a lot of stars. Everything created in the heavens above, as well as every creature on the earth below, sea creatures in the depths, weather elements such as fire and hail, snow and mist and stormy wind fulfilling God's word, mountains, hills, and fruit trees, even animals and kings themselves are here summoned in Psalm 148 to praise God for his covenant-keeping promises. Here we have some of my favorite verses in the final Hillel. They're actually the middle of this grand finale. Psalm 148, verses 13 and 14. I think it might actually sum up the entire doxology. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His majesty is above the earth and heaven. And he has raised up a horn for his people. A clear reference to Messiah Jesus right there. Praise for all his saints, for the people of Israel, and for, uh, for who are near to him, praise the Lord. In essence, in short, the concerns of book three in the Psalms, the king's crisis over God's promises, are here clearly repeated and rehearsed in Psalm 148. Verse six of that same Psalm says, And he established them forever. He gave a decree, and it shall not pass away. Not one word of God will ever fall, up, fall short. God's praise is personal, Psalm 146. It is public, Psalm 147. And it is pervasive over all creation, Psalm 148. Next, in the penultimate psalm, that is the second to last psalm, Psalm 149, specifically the redeemed themselves, the godly ones of Israel, are commanded to sing, notice, a new song in verse 1. God's praiseworthy conduct towards individuals 
and kingdoms, then to all created elements, heaven and earth, and now even to his own chosen new creation people in Psalm 149, reflect the concerns of book 4, Psalms 90 to 106, and the king's comfort in God's covenant faithfulness. It's brilliantly put on display here. Verse 2 of Psalm 149 says, Let Israel be glad in his maker. Let the children of Zion rejoice in their king. God's praise is progressive as well as personal, public, and pervasive. The final blast of praise, Psalm 150 itself, repeats the command to praise and astonishingly 13 times in just six short verses. 13 times. Psalm 150 is certainly the big finish of the grand finale. It is the climax and conclusion of the psalmist's command that everything that has breath should praise Yahweh. In the last psalm, we are told the who, the where, the why, the how, and the what of God's praise. Robert Godfrey notes that Psalm 150 perfectly reflects Book 5's concerns wherein the king's celebration of God's grand salvation is enjoyed. Friends, that will be our song for eternity. Praise that God has kept his promise and he has saved his people. We find in the end here, God's praise is not only personal and public and pervasive and progressive, it is permanent forever and ever. Some of you might be sitting there and say, well, Pastor Dan, where's Jesus in all this? I ask you, where where, where isn't Jesus? Every bright light that we see bursting in these songs, every sound of praise that we hear in our ears points to one object, to one person. His name is Jesus Christ. Jesus is the firstborn over all creation through his incarnation, who came to set prisoners free, who came to open the eyes of the blind and lift up those who are bowed down. Psalm 146, verses 7 and 8. Jesus Christ came as the great seeker of lost sheep of the house of Israel. So he gathers the outcast. He heals the brokenhearted. He binds all our wounds by his grace. Psalm 147, verses 2 and 3. Jesus came to keep and to fulfill every last word of God's good commands. Psalm 148, verse 6. He alone is the horn that was raised up to rule over the house of David forever and ever by the power of his resurrected life. Psalm 148, verse 14. Jesus is the victorious king who comforts his people and enables the Lord to take pleasure in his people adorning by adorning the humble with a gift of salvation. Psalm 149, verses 3 and 4. And finally, Jesus is the place of God's praise and presence forever. He is the new temple where God's redeemed children will honor and praise and glorify the name of God forever and ever. For as Paul says in Romans 11, 36, For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Jesus then is the central figure in God's grand drama of redemption. Therefore, Jesus is the ultimate object of man's unending praise. I learned something this week. I learned something every week. But I think it was interesting and timely for this week as we just celebrated our nation's Independence Day. Did you know that every day when the sun rises over our nation's capital in Washington, D.C., that the first rays of light, sunlight, fall on the eastern side of the city's tallest structure, 
the 555-foot Washington Monument. And on the first part of that monument to catch the radiant light of the sun is an aluminum capstone with these two words, Laos Deo, praise be to God. Psalm 33, verse 12 says, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he chose for his inheritance. It is a travesty. It is a travesty that our nation has turned its back upon the Lord. We must pray for our nation. But we must remember this promise, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, is the promise to Messiah Jesus and his people, not to the American Constitution. We pray for our nation. We are the best of all citizens, but we rejoice in our kingdom that cannot be shaken. We rejoice in our great God. He is worthy to be praised. He is worthy to be praised. So, if you would, we're ready for the big finish. Would you stand with me? This might be the first time that I've ever read the text of the sermon at the end rather than the beginning of the sermon, but I hope you now see why we're doing so. This is God's holy, inspired, and inerrant word. Psalm 146, verse 1. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. Put not your trust in princes, in a son of man in whom there is no salvation. When his breath departs, he returns to the earth, and on that very day his plans perish. Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God, who made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. He lifts up, the Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the sojourners. He upholds the widow and the fatherless. By the way, but the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. The Lord will reign forever. Your God, O Zion, to all generations, praise the Lord. Psalm 147. Praise the Lord, for it is good to sing praises to our God. It is, for it is pleasant and a song of praise is fitting. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the outcasts of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He determines the number of the stars. He gives to all of them their names. Great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. The Lord lifts up the humble. He casts the wicked to the ground. Sing to the Lord with thanksgiving. Make melody to our God on the lyre. He covers the heavens with clouds. He prepares rain for the earth. He makes grass grow on the, hill, on the hills. He gives to the beasts their food and to the young ravens that cry. His delight is not in the strength of the horse, nor his pleasure in the legs of a man. But the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him, in those who hope in his steadfast love. Praise the Lord, O Jerusalem. Praise your God, O Zion, for he strengthens the bars of your gates. He blesses your children within you. He makes peace in your borders. He fills you with the finest of wheat. He sends out his command to the earth. His word runs swiftly. He gives snow like wool. He scatters frost like ashes. He hurls down his crystals of ice like crumbs. Who can stand before his cold? 
He sends out his word and melts them. He makes the wind blow and the waters flow. He declares his word to Jacob, his statutes and rules to Israel. He has not dealt thus with any other nation. They do not know his rules. Praise the Lord. Psalm 148, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the the heights. Praise him all his angels. Praise him all his hosts. Praise him sun and moon. Praise him, all you shining stars. Praise him, you highest heavens, and you waters above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded, and they were created, and he established them forever and ever. And he gave a decree, and it shall not pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures in all the depths, fire and hail, snow and mist, stormy wind, fulfilling his word. Mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, beasts and all livestock, creeping things and flying birds, kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and all rulers of the earth, young men and maidens together, old men and children. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His majesty is above the earth and heaven. He has raised up a horn for his people. Praise for all his saints, for the people of Israel who are near to him. Praise the Lord. Psalm 149, praise the Lord, sing to the Lord a new song, his praise in the assembly of the godly. Let Israel be glad in his maker, let the children of Zion rejoice in their king. Let them praise his name with dancing, making melody to him with tambourine and lyre. For the Lord takes pleasure in his people, he adorns the humble with salvation. Let the godly exult in glory. Let them sing for joy on their beds. Let the high praises of God be in their throats and two-edged swords in their hands to execute vengeance on the nations and punishment on the peoples, to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron, to execute on them the judgment written, this is honor for all God's holy ones. Praise the Lord. Finally, Psalm 150. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with lute and harp. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise him with loudly crushing cymbals. Let everything. <laughs> 